Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dorothy Koshu, host of the Benefits Executive Roundtable. I'm pleased to welcome today's podcast guests, Ted Flitner and Ted Mayashiba, principals of the DD Group, which is an IT services and privacy and security consulting and implementation firm. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us back, Dorothy. It's always good to be here on the podcast. Always nice to be with you, Dorothy. So that everyone can determine who is who in this podcast, can you guys introduce yourselves with your names so that people can identify your voices? I'm Ted. Well, one of the Teds. I'm Ted Flitner. I'm the other Ted, Ted Mayashiba. That'll make it easy. <laughs> but I did, I did want people to be able to recognize your voices. So as the listeners may or may not know, Aditi Group is our technology partner at Advanced Benefit Consulting. We've been working together on privacy and security matters since HITECH was enacted as part of HIPAA in 2009. We've done a lot of training and implementations, of course, since 2009. Yeah, that's right. We have done HIPAA uh, implementations. We've done HIPAA breach investigations when we have done a lot and a lot and a lot of education, training and awareness for people. And and really, that's the great joy uh, for me and for my partners to be able to educate people and help them avoid penalties, to help them avoid breaches and you know all the negatives that go along with the risks that we're going to talk about today. We've also done a lot of um, IPO uh, preparation for for companies who are about to emerge, because the um, the people who are financing the private equity folks want to make sure that they are prepared. And so, one of the things we'll talk about today is risk assessment, business risk assessment, so that they can understand uh, where their gaps are and to guarantee that they would be able to get cyber insurance. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm going to start off asking some very important questions, but before we get into some of the details on this, I want to talk about our audience and make sure that they're aware if they're even part of this thing and if it applies to them. First, for a HIPAA-covered entity such as a provider of healthcare, on a scale of 1 to 10, how important do you think an electronic risk assessment is and why? I think it's a 10. Yeah, I you know actually I I think um, I want to I want to differ with my partner here a little bit. I think it's going to be probably about a twelve or a thirteen, on a on a scale of one to ten. You know, it is so important you know, for a couple of reasons. One, it's part of compliance. So number one, you got to get that in there when they come in the door and they do an audit. God forbid. Hopefully that never happens. But when they do, first thing when I want to see is you know where's that risk assessment that told me you looked about things in advance, and and really number two. Um, if you don't look, then you're going to overlook something. If you don't look in advance, you're going to overlook something. And, you know, the implication of getting it wrong and having breaches is just too expensive. A lot of insurance companies have uh, come to the point where if you don't have um, uh, electronic risk assessment, the general industry, and this is what we're finding, is that you can never get the insurance underwriting. It's kind of like getting a homeowner's insurance policy without getting a house inspection. You have to have one. 
the insurance company just won't write the policy anymore. And so you're really leaving yourself open for any kind of business liability if you don't have this risk assessment in place. Not to mention all the penalties that they may see from entities like uh, Department of Health and Human Services, Office of Civil Rights, and, and that sort of thing, because they are, of course, a HIPAA-covered entity. Absolutely. So what about a covered entity that's not a provider? What if it's a manufacturing firm, an employer that makes widgets or distributes beverages or floor coverings or any other type of non-provider employer? To them, how important is a risk assessment? I mean, they don't have quote-unquote patient information on file, but they do have employee information on file, and therefore they do have to protect that information. So why do they also need to do this? Can you kind of expand on that for me just a bit? Well, the, the risk that um, a that they face is is really for the most part it's the same risks um, regardless of you know whether the entity is is under HIPAA purview directly or not. So you know so that's the case. You know the, the risk is the risk. There are some risks that are more uh, that are greater and specific to HIPAA, but in general, most of what we're talking about is going to apply to everybody who's doing business, any organization that's dealing with electronic data. Um, if they have employees, then it depends on, you know, are they sponsoring their own health plan? Uh, then, you know, they, they're going to be under that um, privacy rule, right? So there's, there's some nuance to it. But in general, whether they are under HIPAA or not, it's the same kind of risk that's going to apply to everybody. And the penalties, the legal penalties might be different, but the penalties in terms of risk of data breach and therefore um, risk of maybe a lawsuit from a customer, from the public, or the risk of um, having um, a hacker come in and take control of your data, you know, and seize that, and lock up your data. Um, that's coming, you know, more and more into the news. That risk applies to everybody. Yeah, and, and I think all people have to do are basically is turn on a television or open a newspaper, either online, I guess, or paper newspaper. Some people still read those. Uh, just to see all of the breaches that have gone on for the last several years and the big ones, those big cyber attacks, of course, over the last few years uh, that have made all the news uh, media. So I think that employers, regardless of what type of industry, as you said, need to understand that it's not, not only just health information that they have to protect, it's everything, their business information, it's their proprietary uh, information, it's their customer information, it's all sorts of things. So uh, it's a big deal to any type of employer. It is a big deal. And, and uh, depending on what the business is, like a business like ours, we're an IT service firm. And so we are a business associate for firms that are, some are under HIPAA. And some are, are not under HIPAA. And for those that are under HIPAA purview, then we're a business associate. So we have to be held to the same rules and regulations in terms of how we handle the data, the same as the HIPAA provider. So, you know, some businesses are going to fall into that uh, BA category, business associate, and they need to comply with HIPAA in the exact same way. Right. And besides HIPAA, there are other privacy laws as well. The Graham-Leach-Bliley Act, there's all kinds of laws here in California. We happen to be based out of California, and we have all kinds of state laws here as well. So, yes, there are all sorts of laws in place. There are all sorts of things. But the most important thing is, is that regardless of the type of employer that you are, you, know, you still want to protect your data because you don't want to be the victim of anything like ransomware and that sort of thing. So it's important all around. 
So let me move on. So next, and probably the most important question of the day, what is a risk assessment? I think one of the things you look at with risk assessment is business continuity. Risk assessment involves whether uh, all any or all of your data is at risk, whether it be locked up, whether that gets in the way of your operations. I mean, even uh, Molson Coors that makes beer had a major incident where they, oh my gosh, couldn't make beer. That's that's that that is their bread and butter. This is what they do, and they couldn't make beer worldwide. Hit them very hard in Europe and hit them in North America. Can you imagine? being a Canadian in the winter and not having your beer. So this becomes a a big issue for business continuity. You know, risk assessment is is just what it sounds like. It's, uh, you know, assessing all of the risks that relate in this case to electronic business data. So we're going to look at what are the risks that data is um, used, becomes available, you know, goes outside of all of our intentions, all of our, you know, it it goes outside of um, the staff or the processes. It, you know, gets um, breached into the public, that it gets into the hands of uh, people in the wrong way or in the wrong form. And whether that is um, according to the rules of HIPAA, uh, in some cases, or according to the rules of um, GLBA, or the California um, Consumer Protection Act. You know, there's there's various different you know things that it may relate to, but in general, we're looking at you know what happens when data goes where it's not supposed to be, and also uh, as my partner had mentioned, in terms of continuity, what happens when you know a system goes down and becomes unavailable? Um, primary system, do you have backup systems? What happens if you know, you have a power outage. What happens if you have ransomware and your data gets um, held hostage? Does your business shut down or do you have continuity? You know, so those are other uh, risks in addition to the risks of, you know, data being breached into a place where it's not supposed to. Okay, thank you very much. Well, who would or should need to be involved in a risk assessment? Um. Well, in, in general, um, ideally, you want to have somebody um, outside of the group, you know, some, some outside eyes looking at it, um, being part of the risk assessment. And why would you say an outside firm, just, just to clarify? Well, you know, it, it's, we get too close to our own processes that we tend to forget and overlook um, a lot of details. And, and this is, you know, any auditor, you know, knows this, anybody who's, who's done auditing knows this. That you know, the closer you are to a process, uh, the more likely you are to um, overlook a, a gap in the process because well, that's just how you do it. You know, we just um, you certainly overlook the informalities, and you tend to overlook the things that have kind of always been there. And you know, I'll just give one you know example. Um, how about those computers that are over in the corner, over in the corner that are on you know Windows you know 98 operating system. Yeah, we yeah, we just kind of forget about those. It's it's just running that one process test or that one piece of software. You know, that machine is is way out of date. It's no longer supported by Microsoft. In fact, Windows 7 is no longer supported by Microsoft. So therefore, just by that fact, if you have uh you have protected health information, that's you know, HIPAA speak, if you have um patient protected health information on that machine, then 
that machine is is um, basically in violation of HIPAA because that machine has to be on an operating system that is still currently maintained by the manufacturer. You know, so you, you tend to overlook things like that when you know it's just you looking at your own process. And do you think it might be also because the people that are doing it don't want to perhaps have to do any additional work, you know, if they can keep their work level perhaps oh, to certainly. the minimum? Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, nobody nobody really wants to intentionally give themselves more work uh, unless they're going to get paid a bonus. And, you know, you, you don't, your companies don't, you know, hand out bonuses, you know, for, for doing risk assessments. Maybe that's something they should consider. Uh, we haven't found a business yet that has done that. Um, but yeah, you know, really, you, 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 only, you only find more work to do. So your natural tendency is to um, not look so deep. And when it's outside eyes, um, you tend to look at a process and say, uh, why, am, why am I doing it this way? Or, or you know, um, why did I just move my data over here and set it down on the table for everyone to look at? Um, oh, I forgot we do that. You know, I, you know, when you, when you're doing the process every day, you, you tend to forget some of the details. Um, you just know them inherently, but you're really not looking at, um, the steps that you take every day. Right. That's one of the reasons why you have an auditor. So you have an independent set of eyes coming in to look under every rock and to find where all your risks are hidden, hidden from view from the people who are looking at it every day. And as we kind of mentioned before, some people just don't want to be criticized in their jobs and they don't want someone telling them that they didn't do something properly or they didn't protect it enough. I think that has a lot to do with it sometimes as well. Yeah, and that's and that's why really uh, framing uh, the whole process of doing a risk assessment in the right way is so powerful and, and really necessary. You know, it, it really has to be something that is um, kind of driven from the top down and this is driven from, this is not accusatory this is preparation. This is let's um, secure our defenses uh, before we have a problem that could, um, you know, really crater our business. You know, if you want business continuity, if you want to keep having a job, then help us, you know, find out where we're weak so that, you know, we don't have something that turns into penalties that are so big or lawsuits or so on, or, you know, business that, you know, freezes and we have to stop paying people, you know, so there's, there's kind of an incentive to, to protect your own job, you know, but it really has to be framed properly from, you know, the top down and saying that, you know, this is not about uh, penalizing people. This is about preparing and this is nothing but value add internally for the business to, to make the business stronger. So if you're in an organization, let's say a non-provider, just a manufacturer or whatever they might be, um, what types of job titles do you think might be involved in conducting a risk assessment? Well, it's certainly going to be uh, people in the IT side, the information technology side, you know, because we're looking at what are the um, software systems and what's the you know, different devices that are used and the different devices that are controlled and how are they configured? You know, so, you know, a lot of this is um, kind of doing that inventory of every device um, that's that's used, where data flows, what kind of systems, what kind of uh, security controls. That's certainly your IT group. But you're also looking at um, people in other departments, you know, that are ha handling the flow of data. 
And, you know, we all know this, the, you know, the three of us certainly know this from, you know, so much uh, practical experience. Um, electronic data can turn into hard copy data, can turn it back into electronic data. You know, there's a, there's a manual aspect and electronic aspect. There's a lot of ways that we kind of move things around. And so we need to involve people who are doing the processes, doing the work um, to see, you know, how is it supposed to work and how does it actually work? You know, because there tends to be that difference that um, often senior management, top-level management, um, has a belief in how the operations work. Um, maybe a big gap <laughs> between that and the reality of how things happen down on the shop floor or down, you know, at the desk level. Yeah, and I would think it goes along with that. Uh, when you want to think about all the other departments, as you said, the actual doing the work part, I would think that you'd need somebody or want somebody's input that maybe works in accounting, someone who maybe works in payroll, someone works that works in perhaps human resources, so you can get kind of, you know, all of those types of functions. Uh, and then someone perhaps that is in charge of customer data and customer information, billings, um, that may be part of the accounting department or maybe separate, but anyone that's collecting credit card information of customers or billing information, that sort of thing. But I think on top of that, and I think uh, Ted F., you alluded to this, but I think there needs to be some executives involved in this process, wouldn't you? A CFO, a COO, vice president of finance, a vice president of, of sometimes they have a risk person, a security officer, uh, something like that. What are your thoughts on that? Where does the buck stop? And that's really where you want those people involved. Uh, usually the operations people, uh, a VP of operations, but the president, who, who's ultimately going to go to jail? <laughs> it should be involved. You, they, they have a, a stake in this because ultimately when things go really bad, who is it that goes to jail? Well, usually... Uh, some senior leadership position, and those people ought to be absolutely involved and understand where the risks are and what they're going to say, oh, we won't worry about that. Well, you do that at your own risk. Yeah, for sure. Well, is this a one-time thing, or should they be done more frequently? And if so, how often? Is there a schedule? Is there how, would, would it depend on the organization? What are your thoughts? It's, it's certainly not a one-time thing. Uh, because every business is dynamic. Uh, what happens is you have um, new hardware and in, in your old hardware becomes uh, no longer supported. You know, I, I made an example of like, say, for example, Windows 7. At one time, that was HIPAA compliant to, to have, you know, data on a operating system with Windows 7. Today, it's not. You know, so we need to look because um, even though in some cases your um, your infrastructure hasn't changed, um, whether your infrastructure is still provided and therefore or therefore uh, legal, that changes. The threats um, change. You know, have uh, things been updated? Have what security patches have been put in place on operating systems, on software and firmware, and so on? All that changes. So it's it's always dynamic. And so you know, we say you know, really at a minimum every one to two years, you you want to be looking at some level. Um, you certainly want to be maintaining some of the data on a on a really ongoing basis, and and for example, that's uh, the computers, the devices that you have. You want to be you know continually maintaining that um, because you don't you don't want to you know kind of wait uh, a year, two years, three years, 
and then uh, realized that, you know, we haven't been keeping track of some of those uh, laptops that we put out into service. Um, and some of our employees have left, uh, where are those laptops? You know, do, do we have a system that, you know, updated our inventory? You know, so um, that's one of those that's kept current always. I think in every audit, you have an action item list at the end. And with that action item list, you have a date by which these action items are supposed to be done. So that kind of drives your, your review cycle. But at the very minimum, you ought to be doing one of these assessments, uh, I would say annually. Uh, there's always the, the balance between budget and time and risk. And, and when I say that uh, the person who's at greatest risk is the person who's gonna go to jail if something goes really wrong, that person will help drive when these action items will be complete because you can't get everything done in a year. That's just not possible. We have uh, clients that we've been uh, following now for two, three years, and we are slowly getting them through this process. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a continuing action item list, and the government knows this, insurance companies know this. And as long as you're making progress, then you know you're, you're you're showing good faith effort, and that's really um, what keeps you out of jail. Yeah, well, you guys have been doing training with me, obviously, for a number of years, and together we've shown many, many, many examples of non-compliance that lead to serious civil monetary penalties, or they call them CMPs or settlements. In your opinion, how often is failure to perform a proper risk assessment one of the most predominant items addressed in the CMPs or the settlements? It's almost every case, but probably about 80% of the time or more, it is mentioned, and it's mentioned early on that a risk assessment wasn't done, either just straight up wasn't done, or it wasn't done um, frequently enough, or wasn't done comprehensively enough. And, you know, it's, it's really mentioned in almost every monetary penalty case. Yeah, for sure. I know I've seen them lots and lots and lots of times. Uh, well, let's say there's a breach of medical information at some point. Uh, is that when a covered entity should be worried about a risk assessment or at some other time? And I know that's kind of a trick question, but what do you think? Uh, well, we don't we don't want to wait until the we have a breach to um, to really think about that risk assessment. We want to think about that, you know, immediately, you know, because really and truly, you you want to know where the danger is today, so that you can you know kind of be strategic about things and say, okay, let's um, let's fill these gaping holes over here on the right side, and then we'll we'll deal with you know the smaller things you know on the left side. Um, or, you know, at least to be able to create a strategy, you know, and, and as my partner mentioned, you know, create a roadmap for how we're going to get all these things filled. Yeah. And so you're, what you're saying is you want to do it before there's a breach so that you can prevent the breach, correct? A risk assessment is, is really all about proactive. It's let's figure it out before we have to deal with it. Let's, let's deal with this on our own terms and our own time while we can. Yeah, because these kind of things aren't, they aren't cheap to, to do. I mean, they, they're going to have to invest a little bit of time, energy, and money into it. Uh, and sometimes the expense is internal. It's just the, the time, the hours allocated to doing it. Uh, yes, they may have some outside vendor 
charges there as well. But I think the overall cost for a lot of organizations is, you know, the time that you commit your people to doing it uh, on a regular basis. Well, part of it also is once you found the breach, it's your responsibility to tell people that you've had the breach, like your clients, for instance. And it's not always that you, when you find the breach, that's when it happened. If you look through some of these um, uh, documented uh, breaches that go to penalty, they say, oh, well, they found it in this year, but it's been going on for years. And that just multiplies your responsibility and your liability to the people who have been breached and whose uh, information has been uh, sold out onto the dark web. So you're on the hook at the very minimum for X number of years of paying for all these people to have um, uh, credit um, monitoring. And that's that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it, it really is uh, very, very common that with these large data breaches that they were ongoing for months and, and, and in some cases years before they were actually um, realized to a level at the business where they make some, you know, they do something about where there's a reaction. And so, you know, even, even, you know, kind of taking the scenario where you, you know, you kind of wait until there's a breach, you know, that, that may be quite some time after the breach actually happened. So, you know, really it is all about, you know, being proactive and catching anything you can beforehand and, and preventing. Yeah. Because as you said before, it may not be just a medical breach. It might be, you know, customer information. It may be ransomware attacks. It may be other types of cybersecurity uh, problems that are going on. And that affects everyone, everything. As you said, it shuts down organizations quite frequently now. It's, it's almost gotten to the point where that's almost a regular occurrence where we're seeing um, notifications of breaches uh, almost every week, if not more frequently than that, uh, on, a, on a large scale. Yeah, and really, this is like um, looking at, say, um, um, how about a catastrophe like an earthquake? You know, we're looking at what's going to interrupt the business um, and then just, just straight up business continuity. So if you've got a data system that goes down or has um, some inherent weaknesses or doesn't have backups for certain areas, you know, are you going to wait until um, you have that rare event when something we you actually have hardware failures? or some kind of infrastructure failure. And then, you know, you really, um, you have a business that's stalled and you have, you know, customers that go elsewhere or you have, you know, some kind of implication of lost revenue or, you know, um, contracts that you can't fulfill. You know, you don't wait until there's an earthquake to assess what the damage or risk to your building is of an earthquake. You look at that proactively and you say, where can we shore things up? Where do I need, you know, uh, an improved insurance rider? You know, you know, where do I need to beef up kind of my insurance protection? You know, because I maybe have some weakness in an area. You look at that proactively. Right. Well, I know every situation is different. Every covered entity is different. Every system is different. And even the types of information that needs to be protected is different. But in general, what are some examples of the things that need to be reviewed in a risk assessment? It, it, it the highest, you know, kind of at the most general level, we're looking really at, at um, two things. What's the flow of data as it relates to uh, people outside your organization? You know, that's to your customers or those you serve, whether they're patients or whether they're customers of your product or service. 
you know, what's that flow of data that relates to them outside? And then what about the data that, that flows inside your organization? Inside your organization, you've also got sensitive information, and that's your employee information, your employee health records, you know, social security numbers, and so on. It's your financial records. You know, it's the payment, you know, all the paychecks, the payroll, that type of thing. It's also the credit um, card information, the payment information from the customer side and how that's in, uh, processed internally. So, you know, kind of in general, it's the external and the internal, um, this just at the highest level. And then we're looking at what's the, you know, where does data go, who touches it, where does it reside, and that's in terms of people, in terms of software programs, in terms of devices. And, you know, kind of that's it at the, at the highest level. I know we talked about this before, but I want to come back to it because I just want to really hone in on this for people that are listening. Previously, we talked about who needed to be involved with the risk assessment. So what do you think? Uh, who should be involved? You know, where the buck stops, they need to be involved and they need to be the sponsors. You know, the ones who are saying, I'm making this important. I'm making this a mandate. We're doing this. We're doing this on behalf of the whole organization. And we're not doing this to go penalize people, you know, to go find out who hasn't been doing their job. It's to find out where we are all as a company at risk. Well, how important do you think training is on conducting risk assessments? It is absolutely important because uh, if you think about it, every one of the people who are employed are endpoints for risk. They could be, if they aren't looking at, for instance, as many people have been trained and as we train, you look at your email, you look at the links, you look at all of that input data that you get every day, all the spam, some of those risks, some of those links uh, will take you directly to malware and some actually are links that you should be looking at. And is that uh, is it expected? Do you, do you have the right process in place to minimize that? Uh, training is the only way to, to help mitigate that risk. And that's one of the reasons why we do a regular training process. Uh, we try to do it at least twice a year for, for a lot of our uh, firms and some, for instance, in the financial industry, we do four times a year because it's that critical. Yeah. Well, most covered entities have told me that they've sort of done a risk assessment, but it's pretty hodgepodge, sort of thrown together. Uh, and they don't really have a model for conducting one, you know, with the steps to take, what do we need to look at, how often we need to do it, and so forth. Is there a place that they can go to get something like that to help them? Does the government have a model or a tool that they can use or something, or do they need to hire an outside vendor? Well, there's a there's certainly a benefit in bringing an outside vendor, you know, and I'm I'm saying that as as an outside vendor, you know, but the you know the benefits are a couple fold, you know, one of those is that um, you have someone who is not part of the process, the outside eyes looking in, and the outside eyes are going to find things that uh, people who are close to the process um, just overlook and, and ignore for you know various reasons, but the primary one is you're just too close to the process. Um, and the and the other advantage of um, bringing in, you know, someone to to look at you, in your case specifically, is your business is is unique. Every business is unique. You've got kind of unique 
sets of um, how, you know, what your product is, what your service is, how the data flows, what um, set of hardware you have, what your hardware policies are and procedures and all that, you know, you, every, you know, so you've got a unique situation, you know, so taking something that is a, um, say like a tool that's provided by um, health, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, they have a security risk assessment summary tool. Um, that's very generic and it's very, very high level. And, you know, it's not going to ask questions that are specific to your custom, unique, specific business. Yes, that government uh, tool that you were mentioning, they can actually go onto the HHS or OCR website and get that. You could actually just Google it um, for the uh, privacy and security security risk assessment tool that should come up. But there is uh, obviously a quite lengthy uh, link that uh, will take you there. What we can do is put that in the notes for this podcast so that people can go to that directly if they want to. But as Ted Flitner said, that is only a starting point. It's a high-level uh, tool. Uh, it's not meant to do all of the work for you. It's just a starting point, pretty much. You know, it's it's really a prompt. And um, another place that they'll go, and, and this is what, you know, HIPAA um, does a lot. HIPAA uh, very often points to NIST, which is a National Institute of Standards and Technology. NIST has lots of different documents that relate to, you know, all kinds of things. And NIST has, um, you know, their own risk assessment document. And, you know, each of these things are basically um, documents that have prompting categories, that kind of prompting you to think about things in, in general areas, you know, areas of um, especially the like the NIST document, you know, and we'll, we'll put this in the show notes, uh, but, you know, but that is, you know, saying how about this, you know, business uh, continuity? What about um, if you have a catastrophe, natural disaster catastrophe? Have you thought about things like that? You know, they're, they're very high level and they're not, um, you know, it's not like an interview with, with someone who is going to ask you follow-up probing questions that relate to your unique situation. And that's the benefit of having somebody who, you know, understands what to ask for and is going to help you drill down through enough to get to, you know, highlight where you've got gaps in your process. Yeah, well, I want to mention again that obviously Aditi Group and Advanced Benefit Consulting, which is my firm, have been doing HIPAA privacy and security training for many years. Uh, and I just want to mention that we're going to be giving a workshop on conducting risk assessments in April. It'll be myself as well as Ted and Ted and uh, perhaps one or two others of their organization, but at least the two of them. How important do you think this sort of workshop could be for covered entities? Uh, and what type of employees, if they wanted to send employees to something like this to register, who should register for this sort of thing? Well, I'd say the, the people at the top should register for it because they're the ones who are have their head the noose, uh, as we've mentioned. Uh, the, the overview in the workshop is really to start asking some good questions, and it will give them some idea of where their gaps might be if they're honest in their answers to these questions. And that's the whole purpose, is to give them some view. If you've not started on this road before, this gives you a good start and puts you in the mindset, uh, helps you understand what the uh, auditors will be looking for if uh, it, it eventually tends to that, but certainly gives you a good idea of what risk is meant uh, when we 
look at um, malware, when we looked at bad actors, when we look at uh, all the risks that you have. That's right. The workshop that we have in April is is really about let's understand why risk assessment is so important. Let's look at um, some of the, the categories, what we're going to look for, the areas to be looking, and let's uh, start getting into that mindset of identifying the flow, identifying uh, the hands that touch things, and you know, really starting um, to put actually uh, practice, you know, to put this into practice and start actually doing some risk assessment. Um, in that workshop, we're not going to end up with a complete risk assessment for your business, but you're going to start the process. And so really, uh, the people involved, again, it's the people who are responsible financially, and it's um, going to also be people who are um, in some of the leader, leadership positions in some of those key areas, like your IT department and your finance department. And depending on what your product or service is, you know, somebody who is, you know, kind of in that process on the touching the customer side, uh, especially if you've got, if you're a healthcare provider or you are under HIPAA purview, you know, by any other means, it's um, the, the someone who's responsible in the areas of um, the customer process. Okay, and as we mentioned, this will be in April, but I want to give a little bit more information in case people are interested in this. It will be how to conduct a business risk assessment, so to speak, a workshop, and it's going to be on April 6th in Anaheim, and we're also going to be doing it virtually on a hybrid model, so even if you can't travel to Anaheim, and there is limited uh, space in the room, because with this type of workshop, we can't have a lot of people there because it would just be too hard to uh, answer all the questions and kind of work through everything, so it will be limited spacing, but you can also participate via Zoom. To find out more information about this, you can go to our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com or the Aditi Group website at aditigroup.com for more information, or we'll have registration available on both websites as well. And this workshop in April is is not just an education session, it's a workshop. So it's very interactive, and it's a, a place where you get to ask questions and get answers. You know, so we we it's all about getting involved, and so it's going to be a lot of fun, it's going to be rewarding. And you, it's going to be eye-opening, you know, for, for all of us. So it's, it's a true hands-on type of uh, workshop. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's good to know. Okay. Well, thanks so much for your time today. We are out of time, but I do hope that we'll be seeing some of you or having you, you know, come in virtually uh, in April for our risk assessment workshop. In the meantime, if someone wants to reach out to Aditi Group, how can they do so? Yeah, people can always reach out to us um, by way of our website or they can call us. Our website is group. that's A-D-I-T-I group.com. And they can call us at 855-GO-ADITI, which is 855-462-3484. Again, 855-462-3484 or group.com. We would uh, love to help get you going in the right direction and to protect your business. Well, thank you very much for that information. Thank you, Ted Flitner. Thank you, Ted Mayashiba, for being here today. Thank you, Dorothy. And, uh, you know, we really want to say to everybody, um, look before you need to. You know, find out where your risks are before they blow up on you. So let's start getting proactive. It's early 2022. Let's get this going. Thank you, Dorothy. Look forward to seeing everybody in Anaheim. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and again, you can register for our workshop on this topic and many others at advancedbenefitconsulting.com or aditigroup.com. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. 
Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.